five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Poem podcast, your preeminent Canadian Overwatch podcast, or so we've been told. Uh, I am Chris at Lightforce, joined virtually as always, and for the first time this year, and then the first time in like two months, with Omni at Omni Strife and Jordan at Sir Dr. JM, a host of the One Man Watchpoint podcast, maybe, I don't know. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello, hello. I see what you what you did there with the... Uh alternative uh intro I was uh, waiting for you to mention the two teams that we were following well before. we live in wild and crazy times alex <laughs> look all all i noticed was how much he supports one man watchpoint by not even knowing if we posted an episode last week or not <laughs> i actually didn't know it came like as i'm as i'm thinking about it i'm like i i was presumptive that you would have an episode when I had no clue and I didn't want to presume you had already published and had not. So I just thought, what the hell? Jordan will correct me. Okay. Nice, nice cover up. Nice cover up. Well, the latest episode of One Man Watchpoint did go live one week ago on the Damn. 24th of January. Luckily mm -hmm. for me, lots of news dropped on the 23rd. So I was mm -hmm. able to sneak one in before today. So it's only Chris and myself who were hibernating. That's right. So I'll see you guys later. Bye. <laughs> Were you recording episodes since, you know, RSP went into hibernation? I was doing a lot of thinking about recording an episode hmm. and a lot of Tuesday night would come around and I'd be like, eh, <laughs> maybe not. And then I would play something instead. So. Okay. Well, I mean. We're back. Uh, who's going to listen? Uh, Alex's wife, Jordan's wife, maybe uh, their parents. Um, my wife could care less. My parents trying to get them on the podcast is just so difficult. I listen. Um, well, okay, and Jordan <laughs> listens. <clears throat> but it's been a while. I, you know, I'm genuinely curious when this goes live, if anyone still has RSP as like a subscription in whatever podcast player they, they listened to us in previously. Yeah. But we're back. I'll, I'll be like one day, sit down, little Johnny. The year was 2019. There was this podcast discussing the Vancouver Titans. Yeah, it's been a while. It has been. And, you know, we didn't talk about this before we clicked record because we're a very well-run uh, professional operation. Uh, we have no <laughs> idea when we're going to publish another episode. It could be next week. It could be the next month. It could be next year at this point, but we are talking to you today because we did say one, we would be back midway through January, a little bit late Two, we've got news to talk about. That was the one thing that uh, had us decide hibernation was the way to go. Cause like we like speculation, but even then we had speculated the speculation beyond speculation, but now we've got something to talk about. So we are going to get into that. Uh, what is the future of esports when it comes to overwatch? Uh, well, the Vancouver Titans, Huh? Titan. Who? Or are the Defiant back? All that and more to be discussed as we start pushing the payload. Moving the payload! Join me! Straight off the top. What is a Vancouver Titan? If no one's around to hear it fall. But yeah, it's a, a Vancouver Titan. Question. I think it's the owner of the esports team that was called the Francesco Aquilinis or something. Hmm. 
playing sure. this game of uh, Team Fortress 3, I think. <laughs> Man, Team Fortress 3 would be fun. Do you think we'll ever get it from Valve? No, unless they call it like two point something. Um, I mean, they did. The <laughs> three will never so. happen. Yeah. Well, no, I don't know. But like TF2 was so much fun. And on occasion, I will fire it up to be reminded that hackers have owned the title for far too long. However, when a spy is, you know, zapping my sentry, it's just all, all sorts of hijinks. Um, but no, like the Vancouver <laughs> Titans, since we last recorded, still have yet to go and announce a, we're no longer part of the whatever it is. Uh, we're going to stick around. The future's unknown. You know, thank you, players. Like none of that. The only indication that the Vancouver Titans actually let a good portion of their team go was that the players themselves started announcing that they were looking for a team um, or looking for a transition into maybe an alternative career like Crimzo wants to get into coaching or at least he did. I presume that's still the case. Um, There's rumors about sugar-free yeah, we'll talk about that too. But I listened today to an episode with Punk on, I think, a tactical crouch. So he spoke a little bit about him maybe transitioning to more of a mm-hmm. normal uh, job direction. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that a little bit too, how one particular region might not be uh, represented mm-hmm. <laughs> in the future. Mm-hmm. But it was cool to hear from both Crimson on his guest appearance and then Punk how they really thought that that last year was the best they ever had in Overwatch League in terms of how the team was set up. So they had a lot of, a, a great time, um, on the Titans. Um, so there's that. Well, that is good that they had a great time while the time was to be had. Um, it just, yes. at what point in time do we get to hear anything? Like, it's so surreal. Like the discord <laughs> still is there. Um, people will engage staff, staff still respond. I get that the staff are probably working on the surge side of things. Uh, for the longest time they were like post season, they were running like all these sponsorship activations. Um, and like all the video content was getting published that, you know, the league has announced it's done and here's the Titans still publishing Vancouver Titans stuff. Um, Yeah, kind of surreal. But anyhow, the Titans continue to tighten. The Toronto Defiant, on the other hand, uh, as we learned uh, before we went into hibernation, uh, they had essentially let their entire roster go um, to provide them all of the flexibility. And quite frankly, from a business perspective, probably didn't make a whole lot of sense to to pay for someone not to do something in an unknown uh, space. But they did keep uh, Kasaurus around. Well, uh, Adam Adam, friend of the show, has announced quite emphatically with the news of the new uh, Overwatch esports scene that the Toronto Defiant will be back. Who? Well, only rumors so far. I mean, in fairness, I was trying to throw it to Alex here to just tell me that he built a spreadsheet. And here's the team. Yes, yes. The the rumor, at least the rumor team, is already kind of a six man roster, a complete six man roster. Uh, there are leaks here and there. If you know where to find them, then you've probably seen them. Uh, it looks promising. If if it does, you know, happen, it might just be the best team that you know OEM have ever had for Overwatch, which is um, kind of funny uh, and interesting at the same time. And there's also a little Vancouver Titans uh, twist to it too. So 
You know, I'll take it back. Um, one thing that when we announced, when we got the news, and they announced the Overwatch uh, Championship Circuit, right? That's what it's called, I think. OWCS? Yeah, OWCS. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's uh, Champion Series, Championship Series. Yeah. So, in regards to the podcast, like, we... We, we were always labeled as the, um, the Canadian esports, um, podcast for Overwatch, right? And Titans and later defined. Like, who do we root for here? Will there be, cause clearly the, with the Overwatch League, um, gone, there's no geolocation. So do we follow some players? Do we follow some, uh, organizations that we used to follow? Who are we going to see? So I was really happy and thrilled to see, um, that OEM is going to be in there. Of course, uh, uh, Adam Adam was a great friend of the show, so um, I'm I'm sure hoping to get him on here as well post uh, OWL. That'll be fun. And later, I mean, we did see some leaked names that were also dropped by their current like teams that they were on. Mm-hmm. So I'm hopeful that that's going to be the case. And Sugar Free is one of those names who was um, excellent, and that'll be a, a nice team. To go for so if it does happen and I do wish for it to happen, we'll kind of have an official team to to follow and root for, don't we? So there's there's got to be an insider that's leaking this stuff on purpose, right? Because oh, this, ha- this, this happened with with OEM specifically, uh, OAM sorry, over Active Media last season as well, oh. right? Like the American Tornado Squad or Core coming to Toronto was the worst kept secret of Owl before Toronto officially announced it. Like, I, I'm almost convinced Adam's out here just, you know, going on his alt account on Twitter and, and posting these kind of things because this is the only org that I think has hinted at or or outright, I guess, outright made a statement that they're returning or, or staying <laughs> in Owl. Yeah. And based on that, it's like... It, somebody knows something or, or they just were like, okay, well, I guess I know which, I don't know which discord I'm hacking into. Wink, wink. Yeah, exactly. And they're also, also very first, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think when Chorong was signed, it was super early announcements. So they're early Mm -hmm. movers and they want to, you know, get to the pool of, of players, available players, which is obviously right now the, the biggest it's ever been. Well, and, and to be fair as well, like we also know that this organization, has money to throw. They, they always have, um, you know, they haven't really been shy about that. We know they've been one of the more profitable organizations in the overwatch league scene. And I think that shows in at least two of the pickups that they have here. I mean, you look at the tank and the hit scan there, right? uh, They want to win, right? They want to win. This is the only league that they're a part of that. They have not seen exactly really any major success right the the best they've placed i think was last season where they wound up almost exactly you know 500 right so yeah and and the hypothetical roster looks amazing well as, let's as, let's talk yeah. about it um so if you hadn't already heard uh the uh rumored roster and normally we don't peddle rumors but at this point hey we're so desperate <laughs> that's all we have about- We'll do about anything. Uh, so uh, someone at Tank Merit is uh, DPS. Sugar Free is DPS. Vega is support. RuPaul is support. Um, and then you actually had said number six, but I only see five names on your list. 
Oh. And I, I was reliant on your information. Was, so who's the sixth? That was, uh, it's, I can't reveal my sources, but there's another player coming. <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you should not have, uh, <laughs> you shouldn't have seen it. <laughs> Anyhow, the point is, uh, you know, that is a pretty, okay, uh, as you both had said, stack roster. Um, yeah. I, I find it interesting that Defiant Court, equally excited, also reminds themselves that it's the circle of Defiant where you get excited about the stacked roster sure. and then, you know, the cycle starts over and eventually they, they're mid. Um, the, uh, I mean, I don't like how, how do you compare this roster? To what we don't know. And the other thing to consider is yes, Toronto will probably, or if presuming they're still to Toronto defiant, have money. That money only matters as much as what you can attract is based on how much you want to pay, but yeah. the entire experience is open. So, yeah. you know, it, it's y- open can- and it's not because even though you have like a, a the big pool of players, you still are bound by the regionality of, of, of NA. Oh, and certain. just by looking at that, if we, well, obviously someone, you know, the previous MVP in marriage was a great DPS. Uh, the other players that they've gotten are like tier one in their positions in NA at the very least. Um, you know, obviously Vega is someone who never really played it now, but he's like hailed as, as a, like the best prospect coming into main support and obviously RuPaul, uh, another angle from the championship tip uh, team that, you know, we cannot, um, understate here. Yeah. So we'll get more. It looks into good. The, yeah. Into the OWCS in the fray. Uh, but things do get underway, uh, in March, um, in, in North America. And, the fact that we're at the end of January now would lead me to believe that if a team wants to be well prepared, you'll get your ducks in a row pretty darn oh, quick if you haven't done that are, done are already. streaming already, yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, screaming to tryouts and things like that are already mm-hmm. underway. But when I talk about the open side, though, is that mm-hmm. any like RSP could go and enter a team. Aren't we? Well, if you're running it, <laughs> go right ahead. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it'll be like that Titans tournament where we won by default and therefore got pushed into like the semifinals. <laughs> Poggers. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Don't have no clue what the OWCS is streaming on, but Team RSP will be part of the broadcast. Um, yeah, and it's pretty exciting that we have some Overwatch uh, to talk about in a competitive sense, as Alex, you pointed out. A team in Toronto-ish, and I say ish because uh, technically speaking, the regionality is gone, but I have to think uh, OAM is all in on the six. So they'll they'll make sure they have that presence. Uh, whether or not anything else exists in Canada, haven't a clue yet, but uh, I think as the preeminent Canadian Overwatch podcast, uh, as RSP has been uh, referred to as by others, uh, we'll probably talk about them-ish. Next week, next month, next year, who knows? Uh, but we will continue this episode in a short moment. Uh, you're listening to the Ready Set Poem Podcast.
In the rundown, I mean, my notes were real weak. You could tell that, like, I mailed it in, that you even got notes. Um, OWCS's life. I mean, it, the announcement was kind of funny because it comes out um, very Overwatch League-esque. And then moments after they announce OWCS, Overwatch League uh, is dead officially. The website goes down. It just has a logo. It says, thank you. We already knew that the league was done. Um the OWCS has gone to a, a regional um, open tournament that will then uh, sort of come to a, a international sort of championship series. So the three regions are North America, EMEA, uh, which is Europe, Middle East, Africa, and then you have Asia. Now, there are rules um, within the context of rosters. You can have uh, players from your region, but you can only have a maximum, I believe it's two, from outside of your region. So if you think about like Team Runaway being a Vancouver Titans roster, that could not happen if the Titans were to show up again. They would have to have a, a NA roster with a maximum of, of two outside of the region. Uh, Asia is broken a little bit further into three regional subdivisions. So where NA and EMEA compete in a broad sense, Asia will be broken down to South Korea, Japan, and Pacific. Each of those subdivisions will host their own tournaments, depending on the local audience. And then eventually they will qualify teams as a region towards the actual OWCS, not included in the Pacific as it was in the past, Australia, which is an interesting and unexpected development. I don't know if the two of you have been uh, paying attention to uh, Papa Punk on social media, but he's been calling uh, Blizzard out. He's ready to have words with, with Phil Spencer at this point. Yeah, I mean, and, and Microsoft to that effect. Uh, and it's more so about like why and what is the reason? Is there an explanation? And I have to agree. Like, it seems so odd that in this sense, They've decided that Australia can't be part of it. And why that's problematic is that if you can only have, uh, you know, a specific number of spots from outside of your region, Australia doesn't have a home region. So they're now competing for very few spots on all of these teams. Mm -hmm. uh, I did see, you know, people in Titan score going, oh man, that too bad for Punk. Punk's actually lucky. He has American citizenship. He would, mm -hmm. in theory, qualify as a, such as an NA player if he wanted to right. make the trip across the pond again. But, but that is an additional development that wasn't present in the Overwatch League. Uh, now, the structure of the tournament, it is open format. And so you qualify um, into uh, essentially a qualifier group stage. Um, the qualifier group stage then gets you into the main event. The main event goes into a double limb and the double limb eventually elevates a team to the championship series. That's in NA in, uh, the Asia for a uh, region. You have the subdivisions that go into the regional championships to an Asia championship to an international championship, the international championship being like the, the top tier, what we would consider the watch league. Uh, and they are going to have, uh, an international event at DreamHack, So an actual live event. And, uh, it is all outsourced. Blizzard is no longer involved on the 
broadcast, the organization. They've simply set the rules, uh, and they've partnered uh, with the uh, with Wara.gg, which is owned by Faceit, uh, which is also owned by the Saudi Investment Fund, uh, which is owned by the Crown family of the uh, uh, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, which itself is. Uh, I don't know. Conflicting. Is that a, is that a problematic problematic? Maybe. Yeah. A way to put it. Yeah. But yeah, I've said a lot thoughts, gentlemen. Uh, where, where to start, where to start. I mean, it was also one of those presumably worst kept secrets. That's where the wind was, uh, blowing towards or, at least what people were expecting. A lot of things worked well for the Overwatch League. A lot of things didn't. Uh, many things happened that nobody could could have predicted with the pandemic sprinkled across. So uh, one side of me is happy to just be getting, you know, uh, Overwatch esports, which I love. And I'm happy that the players, at least some of them, will be able to compete and find teams. And, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, the other side is... Well, there's multiple facets to it, but like, I don't know if this is the best we can get. And I don't know if it's any more sustainable than what we had, uh, with the Overwatch League. And seeing as like Microsoft came down and brought the hammer a little bit, and we'll talk about that, I guess, as well. Um, sure, there's the entire angle about Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, uh, trying to run. A competitive league that prides itself on being super inclusive and super, uh, 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 you know, um, yeah, inclusive is a perfect word for it. Which and and, and you know the, the the people who bring the money, they rule a country in ways that are a little bit, they are they are farther away uh, than that than than what like Blizzard were trying to set the tone in this universe of Overwatch and, and Overwatch esports. So I don't know how that's gonna work. Uh, I'm optimistic cautiously, like at this point, can you not be uh, optimistic because we've kind of evidently hit rock bottom when the league literally disintegrated and, <laughs> and the owners chose to not continue and, and bring it all down with hopes that something else will come in its place. So, um, we don't know much, obviously there's lots of big missing pieces, like what's the price pool gonna look like? Uh, who's gonna, you know, pay the bills? And then can can players still get paid? And and what's gonna happen to all the rest of the talent that supports this this whole endeavor? Because obviously it's not just like the players on on the server, but there's so much more that goes into it. So yeah, that's a lot of points that I brought up. But like I said, it's just how I feel, and there's lots of different directions that it pulls me towards. But I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I can't wait to see like uh the sugar freeze of the world uh, pop off on stream again and and the little uh you know the 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 monkey brain regions in me are are fairly excited about that and I'll be there day 1. Um yeah, even with everything else that's you know kind of clouds uh the moment for me. Yeah, I I think I agree with a lot of what you said. Um Obviously, you know, it comes out of nowhere, drops on a, at a, sorry, on at 10 a.m., 11 a.m., whatever it was, 
on a yeah. Tuesday. This I like. It will be hard to forget. I'm sitting at work on Teams, you know, messaging away at some people, and then I'm like, oh, I'll take a quick moment, check Twitter, and I see that there's right. this video posted, this seven minute video about the future of Overwatch, and I'm like, excuse me. And it was a, a drop everything moment for me, right? It was a, <laughs> I need to know what's happening. And then I start scrolling through the Twitter feed while watching the video. And, you know, I was, I was maybe an hour or two late even. And, and people are just exploding about this. Like, and, and I'd be lying if I didn't say, yeah, I mean, obviously there's a ton of excitement about, holy cow, you know, this is, this is coming. This is happening soon. Um, and as you get into it, you know, Lot, seemingly lots of good news. I mean, everyone had talked up regional leagues, um, making it more, more focused regions. So you can, uh, in theory, you know, support people who feel closer, I think in a lot of ways. Um, but also abandoning sort of the franchised route. Um, there's actually, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if you said, if you mentioned both, but there's actually two international events, of course, with one being mm -hmm. DreamHack uh, Dallas and then one being DreamHack in Stockholm, which yeah. for me personally, the major no, and the actual yes, championship, yeah, the major and the then finals. the finals. And for me, you know, I have no, no touch point with, I mean, Europe in general, but it's super exciting mm -hmm. as a fan to see, you know, we've always been focused on, I think, a lot of the North American side. Yes, we obviously saw some love shown to Korea last uh, or in the final season of the Overwatch League, but it's cool to see that it will happen somewhere else in the world and not just a, you know, mid-season tournament, but the final, the big one, you know? We saw it in Canada and that was huge. Um just the fact that it was north of the the American border. But now seeing it over there as well really I think speaks to the fact that they want this to be big. They want this to be international even though it's not an international league in air quotes anymore but the game can be played almost anywhere you know china being the exception so that was very exciting um like you said there are obvious questions around it that they didn't get into granted i think they did the right thing in the way that uh bailey and and jared had that sort of interview with soe where you know it was <laughs> In a lot of ways, it was clear it was rehearsed. It was clear that, you know, they were maybe reading off a yeah. teleprompter, but they knew the message they wanted to convey to the general audience. And they knew what they needed to say in that moment. Yes, the diehards and the hardcore, like, I'll be honest, most of the tactical crouch audience is looking for that nitty gritty detail, like things like, okay, but we don't know anything about prize pool. There's rumors about it being somewhere in the ballpark of 3 million, but that's probably not going to be split evenly across all three regions, right? Because some regions are, you know, just by nature of population bigger than others. Yeah. Um, there's questions about um, the, the payment structure in general, where the Overwatch League was pretty good about that kind of thing because there were guaranteed minimums and organizations knew what they were dealing with in terms of their budget and could throw that at players or not, right? If you look at a team like, you know, Vegas versus Toronto, um, they could give players the bag or they could, you know, hire the bare minimum kind of thing. We don't know what a lot of that stuff looks like. We don't know what the the structure for paying your players or or money organizations will be getting or bringing in looks like at all. Um, obviously, the Toronto announcement, you know, them coming out right away and being like, yeah, we're a part of this. You know, you guys don't have to worry. They, they know their fan base. They know they're hungry for that. And Adam knows that, you know, he wanted to satiate them. 
Um, there was a little bit of confusion around some of the region stuff as well at first. I know they showed one image of the North American region, which was only North America. Yeah, then, it's NASA. It's North America, South America. Well, and at first they showed an image, I think, in that video of uh, uh, the interview with, with Bailey and, and Jared, and it was just North America that was highlighted. Mm. Then there was another image that they released, which highlighted North America and South America. And so there was some confusion there. Of course, you know, they, they had a lot of the articles ready and things like that that went out that then clarified those things and said, yes, South America is included. But it also highlighted that, no, Australia is not included in, you know, mm-hmm. the, um, the, the air quotes Asian uh, region. So there's, there's some stuff that, you know, some questions, some blanks that need to be filled in. And the fact is, by the time you are listening to this podcast, it's, if it's not February, it's the day before. And guess what? That means we're one month away. We're going to get our answers real quick here. Um, just by nature of the schedule that they put out, right? Even if, yeah. you know, they count starting in February as February 29th. Well, that's still only two months, right? We're, we're, or I guess that's only one month at that point. We're still going to find out these answers very soon simply because they put out this schedule that says they're starting soon. So we're going to have to find these things out. Um, yeah. Obviously the, the ESL face it side of things is important and is disappointing. And it probably also is the only way we see competitive overwatch on a scale that we're used to. Um, I think that's the unfortunate reality is I'm sure Activision Blizzard would have shopped this around and done what they could to see who else could Mm. support them. And the fact is, I don't think there's anybody else on the market that wants to. Because um, yeah. am I wrong in saying this is the same platform that uh, like League uses? Maybe Counter-Strike uses them? Yeah, like I was that? just about to say that it's not just an Overwatch problem. It's exactly. an eSports problem. Nobody's exactly. lining up to invest money into eSports anymore. Um, yeah. We're deep into eSports winter right now is, I think, the, the, the phrase that's commonly used. Yep. So. Yep. The um, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I was gonna say like the shopping around part maybe what platforms are out there that could support something on a on exactly. a global stage. Uh, someone had said, "Oh, why didn't they go with Major League Gaming?" Blizzard no, owns or Activision, whomever <laughs> Major League Gaming has gone with, that may have been the esports yeah. division that no longer exists, um, which we'll get to a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, and they had so that, the crispiest sort of the streams on MLG. You remember that season one, I think. Oh yeah, but that the, the MLG was acquired by ATVI for the pure reason of wanting to have a a premier platform for their their esports broadcasts um, across all of the titles, and in doing so, I feel like the experience from MLG started to falter because no longer did MLG have a priority of we're going to provide a premium mm-hmm. product and it's competitive. We're going to have to shop it around to all the different uh, titles out there, broadcast partners. Now it's a, it's an in-house operation. That's not knocking the people who worked. It's just a matter of you get, you get reprioritized on the whim of a CEO. Not that that ever happened. Uh, with ATVI in the old days. No, um, no, never. The the funny thing about the announcement and the fact that there were a few details is that 
a lot of people are applying Overwatch League logic when, quite frankly, the Overwatch League introduced a lot of these rules that didn't mm-hmm. exist before, right? Like, yeah. you, when it comes to, like, people like, what's the salary cap? I don't think there will be one. In fact, mm-hmm. I'd yeah. argue that there are going to be teams where your payment is exposure and a split of the prize pool. And And that's exactly the point I was making about, like, there are questions around that. But the fact is there are questions because this there's questions from the owl community because this is new to the owl community. Although I think many owl fans are probably fans of other esports in general. There are certainly people that aren't, um, you know, mm. I follow other esports very casually call of duty league being the only one I can really say anything knowledgeable about. Um, and so for me, that's what owl provided it was that structure right it was that um that that backing that infrastructure of here's what the league itself offers to the players the organizations and everything granted of course those organizations had a 40 million dollar buy-in so the league better offer them something um but with this new format that's exactly it right they've talked about how open they want it to be they've talked about how it's um welcoming to everyone and the fact is like like you said at the top of the show we could enter our own team if we wanted to, but you know, we're not paying yeah. each other a salary. Are we <laughs> your checks in the mail, Jordan? Um, oh, Adam wrote a pretty comprehensive uh, post on, on LinkedIn, uh, on a number of different, uh, um, things that we've sort of discussed. Like first of all, he had talked about how this is the evolution. Um, and in, in doing so it's, it's an overhaul. Um, one or two things that sort of he calls out. One is the anticipation anticipation of a sort of wide open streaming experience. Get the product in front of people, mm. however which way you can. Uh, so gone are the oh we're exclusively found on YouTube, Twitch, X, making that Mr. Beast money. Um, which honestly, if you were to have an exclusive broadcast partner, it actually would make i think it harder for teams who are looking for a way to monetize the ability to do so right because there's no there's likely going to be some rules associated to that that said he goes and talks about monetization and he shares that prize money isn't enough in today's environment system needs opportunities for organizations to earn enough to pay the bills, including the ability to design market and sell branded digital items in game. I understand this is a start, but without some formal commitment to team organizations, this may not end up attracting the organizations to drive fan engagement. I think he raises a very fair point. Um, a conversation was happening in Titans discord today about how esports was not designed to make money. And I found that real interesting because people were saying, oh, it wasn't designed to make money. It was designed as a marketing arm. That's what organizations were hoping to use (laughs) to make money. Like, yeah, you know, if you're Epic with like the Fortnite championship where they pony up a metric ton of cash, I don't think they were using the championship as a means to get a return on investment based on gate sales. They were looking as a means to get more people invested Mm -hmm. in the game and buying that, you know, uh, digital product, whether it be skins or, or, uh, cosmetics, that's what Adam's talking about here. And I genuinely wonder if Blizzard would be all that interested in empowering teams to have that stuff in game. I think he raises a fair point, but 
like where's the incentive for blizzard like what they i would have to think that they would have to charge a fee right because they'd want blizzard would want more microsoft would want their take two who's designing it and then what's the cost to do that like and how then do you correlate that digital agreement with some of the handful that we've seen others do right there are licensing costs and what have you so i i think it, it's it's obviously very premature for us to even speculate as to what that might look like i get the feel that we're getting back to the way it was before and i don't know how many organizations outside of the handful of esports ones that focused on content creation and using it as a marketing a vehicle for their own brand is being the ones involved. And I, I don't know if that's OAM. Yeah. I don't know. I, mean, I, I We'd have to get Adam on to tell us if we're right or wrong. You, you bring up some interesting points and, and specifically Adam is very interesting because we know that obviously he's high up in a, an organization that has their hands in a lot of esports. and the other big Activision Blizzard one being, or formerly Activision Blizzard, whatever being, the call of duty league and if you watch adam on twitter one thing that he had been promoting recently was in-game toronto ultra gear which is of course their call of duty league team so i think that we can kind of extrapolate a little bit from that that that's a part of what they're hoping for or they're hoping to see with overwatch now of course adam may have insider information which is to say that Maybe that is a part of the direction that Overwatch will go, focusing more on, hey, you know, yes, there are in-game team skins. Obviously, it's not going to mm-hmm. say Toronto on it because I think they're getting away from that side of it. But, you know, does the team get a cut of every sale of those? Did they already, right? That would be I think a they did. Question. You think they I did? I think they did. Yeah. Uh, and it was based on a conversation that we had had with Adam <clears throat> after the the first season um, where he was talking about how Toronto was one of the top teams in regards to cosmetic sales and that. And he didn't come out and say that, but I kind of think that there was a, a, an advantage to a team who had that type of in-game sales comparative Mm -hmm. to a team who didn't what it was, who knows? Um, Yeah. But the CDL thing though, CDL is really overwatch league. Right. Like Call of Duty League is the Overwatch League. And I have to wonder, does the Call of Duty League exist beyond the current season? Well, we'll see. I mean, (laughs) will they go into a similar transition? Right. And, and I would, I don't know how successful Call of Duty League has been. Um, but obviously you didn't, you didn't or don't see as much doom and gloom around it. And I think a large part of it is because they weren't a part of this whole cycle of Overwatch 1 to Overwatch 2 taking eight years to develop, scrapping half the game, all that stuff. We know, yeah. you know, Call of, Call of Duty already had a cycle established with them, their game, which is to say modern warfare, modern, modern warfare, then a year later, a new entry, then a year later, a new entry, then a year later, et cetera, et cetera. Was, so they already was there a competitive Call of Duty scene prior to CDL? Uh, maybe there a was, loose no, one, like, just like a franchise, yeah, yeah, similar, similar to like Apex or whatever you had okay. in Overwatch, so that, right? Just a more 
a less organized one, right? A less centralized mm-hmm. one, I should say, not necessarily. Well, I sort of where I was going is like with Overwatch as well. I mean, one of the pieces of contention that people had with the Overwatch League uh, was the it killed Apex. And there were people yeah. who hated it for that. And so I was curious if Call of Duty had that same sort of baggage or anchor, however you might want to look mm-hmm. at it, attached to and it that the Overwatch League had. I think a part of the the hate around that, and I mean, this is all me just kind of guessing, it could potentially be because I think Apex and things like that weren't as North American based. Whereas Call of Duty, we know, is a primarily North American. America! Um, yeah, maybe maybe European as well. Uh, not just league, but but game, right? It's, yeah. you know, it, it doesn't sell in, in Asia and Asian territories like it does in North America, obviously, right? Um, so I think that may be kind of a bit of the difference is that it was may have had a grassroots scene over here, but then when the league formed, it gave it that structure that, guess what? North Americans are used to. Because it's a traditional sports structure. Yeah. Whereas if you jump over there, that's not necessarily common over there. So, Yeah. Another thing that I was about to bring in, and you touched upon it right now, is the franchising model and what we were going to get in the open circuit fundamentally are so different. We're going back to what, like, more of an Apex style uh, approach mm-hmm. where the branding and the structure and the salaries were... A lot of it was lifted heavily by Blizzard itself, controlled uh, for sure. You couldn't do anything without Blizzard's permission. I mean, there were yeah. times where players couldn't even go live on Twitch at a time where like Overwatch League was streaming. It was detrimental in many ways. A lot of people resisted, but that's, hey, that's what mm-hmm. you want to do if you're going to, for that Disney money, for uh, like NBA, NFL type of, of model, which... Mm-hmm. has proven to be unsuccessful in the long run. Uh, many factors went into that. We talked about this in Nauseam, so we're not going to go in there. But what they're looking at now, and, and another point that was important is important to reiterate right now, that esports at the end of the day might be just an exercise to sell more games uh, for the developer. However, as Adam has shown, even through the darkest times, there's more than one way to make money. Mm-hmm. But there should be possibilities through the game. And Overwatch right now is actually in a quite healthy state, beating KPIs. There's a lot of eyes on the game, despite the reputation that, you know, mainstream gaming uh, media would have you to believe. Would have you believe. And that's what they need, need to, that's what they need to aim for again. Like in the days of Apex, the amount of eyes that you brought on Overwatch was pretty high. And, and if the game is doing well, um, there are layers to it. It's like an onion. If the game is not doing well, it doesn't matter what you do with esports. The core is, is will slowly die. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, with the game being in a better place, with how uh, much of a content cycle we're looking at now, it's it's fairly uh, going well. It's people ha- like to hate on the battle pass. It makes money. People buy buy that stuff. People buy it. It droves you. You put a good mercy skin out. You make money. That's what matters. That's what will pay the bills, and that's how you sustain the league in the long run. Sorry, the the championship circuit. So they need to really push uh, the developers. And of course, right now it's it's no longer 
Uh, I don't know how easy that will be because before all the branding, all the Overwatch League stuff was kind of controlled by by uh, uh, Blizzard itself, so it was easier to do. But they still need to see uh, how they can monetize their teams in the game because we're not going to see all of the teams winning championships or getting yeah. prize money. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's, well, yeah, just one of those innumerable so challenges that they they have. You'll have teams fundraising to put a washing machine in the team house. Yeah, but like in the good old days where people, you know, that's that's what people were hating uh, Vancouver Titans for, where that people couldn't donate uh, appliances to their favorite players. Yeah, <laughs> well, anymore, right? The, it was so magical. There's one other thing that you know kind of goes along with everything you're saying. With as much control as as the league and Blizzard were were kind of clamping down on and everything, I think a big part of this, I mean, like you say, Chris, it comes down to marketing. A big part of this is for organizations, they can be more open with everything they do. Um, you know, just like what you're talking about, they can allow their players to stream more. They can allow, uh, you know, there's a good chance they can allow streaming of scrims and things like that. Um, you know, every, everyone knows who's scrimming who and what strats they're running. If they want to run something in private amongst themselves, great, they can do that. But they can be more open with this and they can almost prop up their players as mm -hmm. streamers if or content creators. And in doing that, they can increase their own brand awareness using you know those players that people are already following as a part of that team um, and i think that's a big thing that has a lot of organizations have been missing but we've seen some organization organizations try to do um you know like uh we honestly toronto again being an example we always saw them try to feature players in their own content but it was also it wasn't directly always Overwatch, right? Whereas if they could have just said, hey, Kaluge, once a week, we want you to stream for two to three hours in the evening, play ball, you know? And well, just have so, a little Toronto uh, Toronto Defiant branding there. Like, they, yeah. I don't think they would have been allowed to do that. But now, they could. Well, yeah. So, so on that note, like, teams could have had their players stream. Like, the Vancouver Titans had in the contract with the original roster... A requirement that they stream x number of hours of overwatch every week and one of the challenges that they had with the players was one the players were not doing that and when they did a few times it was uh, overnight for for vancouver mm. time which wasn't um Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was copacetic with the contract language. I did not see the contract, but based on what I heard is that it, there was a requirement between, uh, you know, this hour and that hour and they weren't following it. Um, it was also one of the rumored things that the team used to invalidate the contracts of the players. Um, so if you were to consider there was a list of things that they may have done to violate mm -hmm. the contract, that was allegedly mm. one of them. Now that was like season two of overwatch league season three that that had existed. Right. And I don't know what it was like with other, other teams, but I know like Toronto was very big on, Hey, you guys scrim, you play, you have downtime, take it, take a break. Like yeah. they were really focusing on that. Um, yeah. so I, I wouldn't say that they weren't allowed 
but they now have probably a greater amount of flexibility though. It'll be team by team. Like a team like Toronto may still say, Hey, here's what you want, or here's what you'll have to do. Like you have to have the Mm -hmm. sponsor or what have you. But again, we will, we'll see that when it happens. The organized operations will probably have that as part of the contract, the less organized ones Mm -hmm. come to the team house. We've got, you know, uh, three bed bunk beds. Enjoy the the room. (laughs) And the Double craft dinner that's in the fridge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as part of this change, and we talked about it where the esports operation is being outsourced, um, the parent company, Blizzard, so now owned by Microsoft, had announced that they were making uh, a significant number of layoffs. So um, I don't know the number breakdown specifically, um, but uh, over 1,900 people from Activision and Blizzard, and I would presume King, um, were part of a layoff, um, though there were also <laughs> even layoffs that impacted those who had worked for Microsoft from the get-go. Uh, when that was announced, which was just over a week ago, um, it was pretty significant. Uh, there was also a big change. Mike Ibarra was leaving the the company. He was the uh, the, I guess, CEO or president of, I don't exactly know the role. President. He would have been the president. Yeah. Um, he has, it was announced earlier this week that he's been replaced by President Johanna, Shinra. By <laughs> Johanna Ferris, who was previously the general manager for Call of Duty. She was, if you recall, also in charge of the esports operation, including the Overwatch mm-hmm. League after uh, Nate Nanzer was out. <clears throat> but um, she has now been elevated to that, that role. But a part of the layoffs was the esports division. That happened this week. Uh, so Zoe, Mr. X, they've publicly announced they're no longer employed uh, by Blizzard. I would presume the entire- many of the other casters were on contract and likely had contracts that simply expired. Um, all observers for Overwatch League and Call of Duty League are are without a job. Why is that big? The Call of Duty League is still happening. And the role of the observer is more <laughs> than just watching that. matches. Oh my goodness. Um, it's it's controlling like the spectator view, the cameras, like all this aspect. So I'd have to think that they must be outsourcing CDL like straight away to replace the people that that's they've crazy. they've let go. Um but you know, that's a significant impact. And I I, I feel for anyone who loses their job, like a layoff sucks. I've been in the position that I have been let go. In fact, listeners of the show will know that uh, I got, I got let go since this started. Alex, you got let go since our our podcast started. Like it's within the same month. I think we got, we got laid off. Yeah. It was pretty close. Yeah. And it, it's horrible. But then when you look at sort of the esports side, you kind of had to know something was going to happen with that either announcement and like Zoe, I think said it quite well. It was tough news, but I faced it with, I think she said champagne in hand. Cause I think she being the consummate pro one was positive, but two knew what something was going to happen. It sucks though, that someone like her was used to sell this new platform and product. And a couple of days later told that you're yeah. no longer needed. That sucks. We almost started the podcast too. Remember getting laid off. Yeah. Off. <laughs> that was the name. <laughs> I registered the domain I actually registered two domains. Cause I, 
Oh. I got it. To, I got it wrong the first registration. Who knows? Who yeah. knows? Like uh, you know, with the, <laughs> with the economy. Yeah, as it is. Hey, there, there's the a there's an emergency. The there's a plan quick. B. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but uh, again, probably not appropriate of us to to make light of of a layoff. But oh no, it, it's definitely not nothing. Yeah, nothing to joke but, at. But it's it's tough because there's a lot of people in an ecosystem right now, like in the tech space, in the gaming space, there's yeah. still quite a bit of upheaval. For sure. Um, Jacob, Jacob, Jacob Wolf, uh, formerly of Dot Esports, I believe, tweeted out in response to uh, Mr. X's announcement about being let go. Sad to see this, but not surprised considering ESL face it is taking over the Overwatch space and will presumably hire talent as contractors. That said, I don't think esports caster is a viable career anymore, alongside many other things in esports, and I'm sad for my friends. He then responded to his own tweet and said, I had a friend say this to me a few weeks ago. Esports is no longer an industry. What they meant by that is that it's not something with self-sufficient revenues and full-time employment for people who work in the industry. It's back to being a marketing arm for gaming. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, kind of sums it up nicely, right? Like, I think for a lot of us, we, especially people like Zoe and Mr. X, you know, over the years, we've all grown to feel like we know them. And, you know, a lot of us have seen them yeah. at live events and, and things like that. And as the desk got more established and more comfortable with each other and built rapport with each other, you know, you feel like these people are your friends and you tune in every week to see them. Right. you know, in their element and, and they welcome you in just as much as you welcome them into your living room and, or, you know, your office space or whatever. And it feels like, you know, uh, you're, you're in a lot of ways saying goodbye to, to a friend that, you know, for some of them, right. we may nev- never see or hear from again. Um, right. maybe you follow them on Twitter, maybe they're not on social media and you know, that could be it. Right. So yeah. obviously it's, Upsetting for everyone that was a part of this, um, obviously, especially for the people who were directly let go and everything like that. Um, but I think Jacob Wolf kind of sums it up nicely, right? With with new ownership coming in, not only in the Microsoft side, but also with ESL Faceit coming in, there's a chance we see some casters we know, um, you know, being brought in through that sort of program. But there's a chance we don't hear from some of them, you know, for a while either. Yeah. yeah. The, I think the thing to really take from it is the, while it is going to be a marketing arm, there are going to be situations that require, um, talent. Uh, and, you know, it, the hot rumor right now is that many of them received contracts for lower pay. Well, it is going to be the contract space. I, yeah. I understand how horrible it is to have lost your job and then be told, Hey, but we'll hire you back on a contract. That was what was offered to me at one point for less <laughs> money. And I'm like, no man, you want me back? It's going to actually cost you double. Um, other, mm-hmm. but I'm happy that, uh, I won't be back. The thing though, is that like golden boy is a great example. Golden boy was yeah. at every overwatch, mm-hmm. you know, premier event. He was a contractor. He got brought in. He got paid big mm-hmm. money. And with the the face of the SL operation, there isn't this need to have casters available on salary. Uh, 
if you need them, hire them. Like from a broadcast perspective, mm-hmm. will there be casting? Who knows? Maybe teams will do it themselves. Uh, Adam had talked about in his post how like co-streaming and an embracing of the ecosystem could exist. That opens up the door to getting, for lack of a better way to describe it, inexpensive talent. Because it's not what you're necessarily wanting to pay for in like the qualifying st- side. The, the actual major and the finals, that's where you'll have the, the top tier talent brought up. But again, they'll be paid for just the event itself. Well, but, and the good news is, um, Adam has announced that, uh, he's going to bring Ready Set Pone on to, uh, to co-stream every Toronto match. So, you know, you, you, you and him have been talking directly. I would have been shocked if it was actually RSP and not uh, one man watch point getting in on that action. Uh, the one man uh, broadcast. The, details, the, ink has, the ink hasn't dried yet, but uh, mm. it was something like that. I'll have to refer back to my notes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Anyhow, we'll be back in a week, a month, a year, talking about this uh, when we get more information. But to have uh, have you guys actually been playing Overwatch as of late? I was, still do, mm-hmm, whenever I can. I completed the battle pass again. Not very thrilled about that Orisa skin, but... Um, it's been fun. It's been fun. Uh, the rumors are, are going crazy and wild about what we're <laughs> passive expected healing? to see in, in not just that, but like, yeah, passive healing and the passive um, DPS um, thing where you put damage and like it reduces the healing on, on the character receiving damage. Big buffs to HP overboard. It looks like I'm probably the biggest adjustment we've seen from overwatch since you know going from six to five mm-hmm. yeah i've uh, it's, it's gonna be completely different i finished my battle pass two nights ago three nights ago something like mm-hmm. friday something like that um, have you guys been buying like the battle pass well, just uh, reusing um coins did buy it mm-hmm. a few times before i bought not this bought- one though yeah, I bought the Founders Pack when Overwatch 2 was launching. And then I bought uh, the Invasion Bundle Pack thing mm. when that launched. But nothing um, since. You know, almost a year later. But I have not yeah. spent a dollar on the game outside <sighs> of that. Just, just yeah. in-game whatever I've got from that. And I will have enough to buy the next season's Battle Pass. And after that, I think that'll be the first point where I'm actually uh, out of coins or credit whichever currency they use to buy the battle there's so many currencies exactly <laughs> I, i've lost track i can never remember like a switch, forex so. trading uh platform that's true, that's true. Well, it, but uh, so the no, currency I'm, I'm part enjoying the game yeah. short of being a gotcha game they're as close as you could possibly get to gotcha with the multiple mm-hmm. currencies uh, i have not spent a dime on the game outside of the initial sort of you know the founders pack or whatever it mm-hmm. was um have mm-hmm. i been playing it off and on um, mm-hmm. I'm not like, I, I talked about this back in November, the fun that I had with the game was either with friends or based mm-hmm. on my investment with the show and the overwatch league. And when the league was dead and, um, my friends that I was playing with regularly had sort of moved to other titles. I found myself, I'd fire it up, I'd play, you know, here and there, but then exploring all alternatives like lately i've been playing pal world which you know have you it's uh an interesting game mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. to say the least um been playing that 
Uh, I've been playing uh, just games on my Steam Deck. Uh, Dave the Diver is a phenomenal game. Nice independent title. If you haven't checked it out, you should. But uh, no, I I um, appreciate that Blizzard is actively exploring different things that they can do in the game. Like that weekend that they had that was at the hacked mode, where all the timers mm-hmm. were completely insane. Yep. Um, it was chaotic. <laughs> like it actually uh, for push. I didn't mind it whatsoever uh, for control. I actually agree. One, yeah. one team fight. And that round is over like that. If, if a team capped it, you lost the fight. It was over. Um, and for uh, what the heck the mode is now clash. Was it can't remember what the mode type flash anymore. point. Flashpoint. Thank you. Um, Sir you in the hack mode, who essentially whoever got it first won that point like it was just the timer yeah. was going far too fast but yeah leave it for push i actually really enjoyed push quick push matches yeah mm-hmm. yep. um, replaying um replaying final fantasy 7 remake oh again ready for rebirth hell yeah cool. hell yeah the, uh, the, the more i yeah president shinra the more i that's bobby Kotick, president shinra <laughs> um, the more I replay this game, the more I like it. The new one. Can't wait. Uh, Can't wait. I, s- I still have not gotten far into it. I, I started it a while <sighs> back, but, uh, yeah, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the Kingdom Hearts fan inside of me that said, this is what should, what King of Hearts should have been like the third one. But anyways, <laughs> I just, I was bitter, so I, I didn't get very far. No, I've, I've, I've been playing it's, Overwatch. It's... Go ahead. No, I'm saying it's good. You should go back to it before you know the new one the new one looks even better it does it does um but no i was gonna say overwatch has been good i think this past season uh the malga times were a little rough there when he was overtuned Mm. um it was a little hard to play but honestly after that mid-season patch i think the balance has been pretty good um you know there's a couple of tanks that i feel like are pretty viable most in most scenarios um supports feel uh mostly balanced i actually i love playing lifeweaver nowadays um so that's been fun and outside of that i mean i honestly haven't been playing a ton of anything in in december i was playing god of war valhalla the uh the roguelite mode that they released for that game and i had a ton of fun with that i put way more hours than i thought i would into that but other than that it's mostly been overwatch and and i'm looking forward to season nine because season nine is also supposed to be the competitive revamp which is something mm. I've been waiting for to maybe take a stab at getting back into competitive. Because mm. really, since mm. Overwatch 2 released, probably since the first season, I just haven't really bothered with competitive. Um, so, mm. yeah. Competitive. I can't remember the last time I played competitive. In fact, actually, so I was playing earlier today and I uh, had someone getting real pissed off at me for my junk rap <laughs> and uh, kept telling me to go play mm-hmm. competitive. And every time I said, I haven't done competitive, I haven't done my placement um probably wood tier (laughs) uh apparently i'm too sweaty for quick play it's not my fault (laughs) that you know they thought they could counter me with a faro like i can fly too (laughs) anyhow um that's funny yeah i i am will admit owcs gets announced i fire up overwatch for the first time in a long time so maybe that's what will get me back in Mm-hmm. Um, just as they thought you were out, they pull you back in. 
Yeah. Roadhog yeah. hook. Pretty much. I, I hate I hate his rework. Not that I actually think the rework was great. Yeah, me too. But like now with the Anna nerf and then his rework, it's yeah. Less fun. I used um, to not mind him before. He's the only character I hate seeing on the opposing team and, and on <laughs> my team too. <laughs> like the the viability when you had a hog on hog battle is less so, but his rework, like he can still get the insta gib, throws down a pig pen, pulls you through it, gives you, you're dead. Um that kind of sucks, because at least before that the it wasn't always a guarantee you'd be an insta-gib. Um, the Anna rework, the fact that the sleep doesn't last as long, the pot doesn't last as long sucks. Um, grandma can't run, and you punish Grandma by taking away her ability to run away. It just, yeah, sucks. Yeah. Need a life weaver to uh, yank her out of there. Actually, I had a, a pretty solid life weaver earlier today. Like Very well I'm played. He's, he's fun now. I, I yeah. don't know. They they balanced him out pretty well. I think he's a lot of fun now. So Well, I mean, I've, I've had um, not so good life weaver on my team as well. Like, you know, mm. when it happens, you know, when you hear your Ryan go hammer, you don't you don't give him a yank. <laughs> okay. Because the down, yank the down has not Lucio. yet happened yet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, anywho, here we are over an hour speculating talking about one thing essentially which is uh, par for the course for us though i guess considering the podcast hasn't recorded a show in what three months almost two and a half months um we had a lot to say but we're at that point well, where it sounds you like might have final words of wisdom but then it sounds like what i was gonna say it sounds like what you're saying is we have to make up some time and this episode should actually be like, what, eight hours long? Yeah, probably. Is that right? This is part one. Tune in for part two. <laughs> I could That's not right. imagine one post-production of that. Ready, set, pwn, rebirth. <laughs> yeah. But final words of wisdom, gentlemen. Let sugar-free dragon blade. That would be good to see. Agreed. Jordan. Mm-hmm. That would be good to see. Um, I, I forgot that we do this part on the show. So, uh, I'm scrolling through Twitter and, uh, I see a Valorant scoreboard. So go play Valorant. I mean, no, sorry. Go play Overwatch. Oh man. Um, last week, uh, teams, anyone here as a team is user? Mm-hmm. No, yeah. So teams indeed. died. Teams went down hard on Friday. No, I'm, oh I'm on Slack God. and Slack and Zoom for us. No teams. Yeah. My, Te- teams, you know. teams, teams went down, and uh, as a result, I thought uh, that a teams-related joke uh, was uh, probably uh, worthwhile to share. Um, I can't claim the joke, and I can't claim any of the jokes I tell. There's a count in threads. Dad says jokes. I follow it just for the jokes themselves. Uh, but uh, this one is, uh, I told a joke on a team's meeting at work today. Nobody laughed. I knew I wasn't funny, but it turns out I'm not even remotely funny. <laughs> Cute. Yeah. Uh, Cute the other one is, uh, what do you call a paper airplane that can't fly? Stationary. Mm, I was about to say mm. a piece of paper, but... Stationary. 
funny. Not flying. Yeah. Stationary. Or the Boeing uh, 737. Oh. Uh-oh. That, um, I can't wait for that episode. They feel midair. They feel, they feel like they're made out of paper, too. Paper mache. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's, that's for an entirely different podcast. Uh, speaking of entirely <laughs> different things, uh, YouTube uh, creator uh, Omni here and uh, Ready Set Tune. If you haven't checked it out, go check mm-hmm. out Ready Set Tune. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Start making car- cartoons for the little one. I wonder. I was wondering if you're gonna catch the. Oh yeah. The little... <laughs> oh yeah. When Lena shared it, I'm like, I saw it. I'm like, I went and told my wife. I'm like, I don't know if if it just happened to be that or if that was sort of first mine, but that's pretty. Cool. The 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 funny thing is, I only realized it after the fact. After I created the 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 channel and and stuff, and then I'm like, oh, damn. Yeah, it didn't occur to me. It probably. You know, uh, subconsciously it was mm-hmm. there, but yeah. RSP, now you have RST. You'll get your royalties once I make it big. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's, but, yeah, yeah, see, tell you what, what you could do is, you know, this podcast or this episode of RSP uh, sponsored by RST, right? Mm-hmm. That could be it. Yeah. Uh, cool. You can find us on all the social media platforms. Uh, we're on Facebook. Apparently, people occasionally follow us because I still get notified. Uh, we're on uh, Twitter <laughs> or X or whatever you might want to call it. And uh, we're on threads at Ready Set Home. Uh, how will you know there's another episode? One, it'll show up magically in your podcast application, or two, you'll see us talk about it coming on social media. Once we have an idea as to one, are we going to continue, how we're going to continue, and what that would look like? We'll establish a much more regular cadence to our show. Um, this isn't the last episode. The last episode was not the last episode, despite a lot of people thinking that RSP was done. I made it very clear. Yes, we weren't sure Just what kidding. the future held, but I wanted to say thank you. Just like everything else. People are like doom and gloom in the podcast. RSP never dies. But on behalf of myself, Chris what Allied is Force. dead may never die. <laughs> Omni at Omni Strife. And Jordan at Sir Dr. Jam, host of the One Man Watchpoint podcast. Catchphrase!